All right, another Locked On Syracuse podcast and a fun one planned for you guys today. We've got our pal James Zuba from over at Noon's Magician coming on the show to talk all things Syracuse hoops, the state of the program right now, Jim Beheim, the future of the program, and his thoughts on this year's team and how it might end up this year for Syracuse. So we're diving into all of that next with our buddy, James Zuba. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome on back to the Locked On Syracuse Podcast Tuesday edition here. Tim Leonard and Tyler Aki, and we got a special guest. One of our good pals, James Zuba, joins the show to talk some Syracuse hoops, get caught up on his perspective on the season so far. James, we thank you for taking some time as always. I guess we can start with Wake Forest on Saturday. Bounce back win. Tyler and I discussed it a little bit yesterday. Big 22-point win. Got the walk-ons in there at the end. Some good vibes. What were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, somewhat surprising. Uh, I don't think anybody saw Syracuse coming out in the second half and putting up 55 points, but uh, definitely a win they needed after the last two. Uh, Weren't really competitive in either of those, that Duke or Pittsburgh game. second half specifically in that Pittsburgh game. But I, I think a few things, one, the, the bench got some extended run in the first half. I think that was important. And all of those guys played well in their own spots and obviously getting Samir back was, was big for that Syracuse backcourt. Um, you know, second half, obviously Buddy Bayham's performance that speaks for himself itself. He did a lot of really good things. Uh, the defense was active. He got in some passing lanes, got some steals. I thought that was big. Uh, Cole Swider stepped up too. I think that's probably the best game, definitely the best shooting performance we've seen out of him in a Syracuse uniform. So that was big. And, uh, the, the crowd too, uh, not to bring up your guys' tweet and t- Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, you did not upset me with your tweet. Uh, I, I do. Disagree Thank you. You're probably you on. one of like maybe five people who are not upset with me. <laughs> that's, that's all right. I think, um, the, the woman who was tweeting at you every day, that's actually my burner account. So I was trying to <laughs> right. it's your mom. That's who it is. <laughs> I, I, I told my mom, I was like, hey, you got to get at these guys. They're, they're wrong. I won't do it. I'm friends with them, but you <laughs> get them. Uh, but no, the, the tweet did not upset me. And, and I do like you. And I wouldn't come on otherwise. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought the crowd came out full force. The student section was great. They've been awesome all year. Um, home and, and away games, too. I mean, the, the students were at Georgetown in full force. So they, they've been awesome through basketball, football, the whole thing. So um, they came out and the, the Syracuse faithful came out, too. So that was that was somewhat surprising. I, I wasn't expecting to see 23,000. You know, that's tickets sold, not total butts and seats. But, you know, there was 20,000 in there for sure. And I wasn't expecting to see that either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they came out, they showed up. And, and this is not we didn't bring you on, actually, to to give us. Uh, a Syracuse report. This is an intervention for me, actually, about why I'm wrong. <laughs> you and Tim are hosting an intervention for me right now. That's what this is supposed to be. Um, no, I, I do want to get into one of the the larger parts that you just brought up there. And you talked about the bench. Well, let's start with Benny Williams, because this is something that Tim and I have talked about all season long. But w- what have been your initial impressions of the prized recruit, the only recruit of Syracuse's most recent class? It's it's got to be tough for him just because he's the only freshman, you know, from for for starters, you know, from from the beginning. It's got to be tough for a guy when when there's a lot of upper upperclassmen and you look at the makeup of this team. It's a senior junior laden team, and he's the only freshman. So I think I think starting with there, it's it's been a struggle, and sometimes it is for freshmen, and it's been a struggle for for Benny. 
Um, sometimes that can happen with it with a college player. I'm a little disappointed. Like I think the schedule early kind of prevented him from getting in early. You know, if you had a softer schedule this year, maybe there's some more opportunities to work him in and he gets a little bit more confident from the onset. But um, I think it's been tough. Uh, I've also been disappointed in some ways. I think this, there's been opportunities for the staff to work him in a little bit more and maybe they haven't done that as much as they could. But um, I think he's he's doing some better things. He's rebounding it. He's not getting to the rim as much as maybe he should. I think he kind of settles for the jump shot a little bit. You'd like to see him take it to the glass and, you know, kind of finish and have a little bit more confidence there, but it's, it's been a struggle for him and um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens down the stretch. You know, I think Syracuse has some winnable games up here. I don't think Jim Beheim is just going to throw him in there to throw him in there. He's going to throw him in there. if You know, he thinks he can help them win, uh, but they're going to need him to play some minutes here and it'll be interesting to see how he closes out the season and then what he ultimately does do at the end of the year. Yeah, Tyler tweeted something from our account that it didn't actually get backlash, this one, about Benny's minutes. Uh, one of the few things. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was a good tweet. Something along the lines, you can correct me, Ty, if I'm wrong, of like, he should play 30 minutes every game the rest of the way and just let him make mistakes. And I think a lot of the fan base is sort of in that camp, given where the season is at right now. But, you know, what's your ideal situation for him in terms of minutes if you were Jim Beheim, how would you handle Benny Williams the rest of the season yeah I think the way that the Jim Beheim thinks about it is kind of what I said like he's not going to tank and, and look ahead to next year although I do think that has to be a consideration in the era of the, the transfer portal and making these guys feel like they can be a part of the team and that they can be a part of the success to come back next year it's it is something you have to think about but I think, you know, Jim Beheim's just going to play the guys that he thinks can help him win the next game in front of him. And that's how a coach might think about it in that situation. Um, but, yeah, certainly you'd like to work him in, especially if there's games where, you know, like a Pittsburgh game or maybe Jimmy Beheim just isn't giving you as much. Um, the one thing with Cole Swider when he hasn't knocked down shots is he, he has rebounded the ball well, and that's an area that, you know, Syracuse has needed help with at various points this season. Um, but you would like to see him get some more minutes – I think he can help you. I mean, he rebounded well in, in the few minutes that he got against Wake Forest, and you'd really like to work him in more and get him more minutes than what he's been getting. Um, and as you know, we did hear Jim Beheim say, there's going to be two or three freshmen that start next year. So the thought is there on next year already, even if they are just playing these one you know games one game at a time. Um, you do have to consider about what's going what's going to happen. And everything we've heard from Benny Wright is that he's he's coming back next year. Um, he wants to work through it. He wants to get better. He wants to be coached. Those are all good signs. He could change his mind, but everything we've heard from him is indicating that he's going to be back next year. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't blame him for whatever decision he makes. And, and I get, we live in the, the social media era where everyone keeps receipts and all that. And sure, all that's going to be hurled his way if he does decide to enter the transfer portal. But you got to look at the kid and what he's done this season from an off the court standpoint. I mean, he has been a, a five-star teammate, I think, because he could have been one of those – like I remember Javon Quinterly when he was at Villanova, and one of the things that caught up with him was he posted an Instagram story saying this school is my second choice for a reason when he wasn't getting the minutes. And then obviously he goes off, transfers to Alabama, and now he's had success. Like that's not – I don't – if I ever saw that on Benny Williams' Instagram story, I would be beyond shocked because that's just not the kid he's been. And I hope he gets an opportunity. I mean, you look at these next six games, five of the six are against teams ranked outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. So it may naturally 
come up that he gets some developmental minutes these next handful of games. Yeah, no question. I mean, it's it's been admirable the way he's handled everything. I mean, it, coming on a radio interview, and I forget who it was that was with. I think the ESPN Radio Syracuse guys, but just just saying that you know I'm I I don't deserve more time. Like I'm here and I want to work through whatever this is. And he's he's handled it with with grace, which is a great thing because you don't always see that out of freshmen, as you've mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, turning the page here, you know, you got Boston College coming up twice after this week. Um, you got Georgia Tech on the schedule, so there might be some more opportunity if Syracuse can win those games and, and you know play the way that they're capable of and make some shots and uh, those sorts of things. You would hope that that would open up some spot, you know, some mo- some more minutes for Benny Williams uh, down the stretch of the schedule. All right, guys, quick break from James Zuba to tell you about BetOnline.net. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, bigger picture on the season now Syracuse is 10 and 11 at the moment. Not what we all would have hoped for, not what we all probably would have expected at this stage. What has surprised you the most about this season? Like what in particular about this team did you think was going to be better that isn't better? Or maybe it's an individual player, anything along those lines that's just been a surprise to you? Yeah, if, if we had gone back to, you know, say the early season before a game had even gotten played, if you had told me the defense was going to be outside the top 200 in Ken Palm, I would have been surprised. Uh, I knew the defense wasn't going to be good. I think we all knew that going in. We didn't think it was going to be this bad. Um, and it's it's been okay in some spots recently. You know, against Pittsburgh it was okay, but they're not, you know, necessarily a great offensive team. The second half against Wake I think it was better. But by and large on the whole, the defense has been surprising in a bad way. Um, and, and I think the, the failure of some of the guys at, at times to make shots, I thought this team would be able to, to make more shots from outside. I think it's really shown in some cases where they really need a playmaker like that Kadari Richmond type, or maybe they could use a little bit more Samir Torrance before he got hurt uh, to kind of get in there and mix some things up. But um, in, on a, in a good way, I think, you know, Buddy Beheim, he's he's been inconsistent somewhat, but to see him get back to the level that he's capable of playing like, uh, at Wake Forest is, was somewhat surprising in a good way, not because he's not capable of it, but just because we haven't seen him go back into that well, you know, more than once. You know, it seems like maybe the Indiana game comes to mind and he's done it a few times, but see, to see him get back to that level um, was was surprising and a little bit just because we haven't seen it so much out of him this year. So last time we had you on here, I asked you, is this a tournament team? And, and we probably did this in what, December or something like <laughs> yeah. that? Um, and I think it's a December tradition right, around exactly. these parts. You got to yeah. ask that question. Yeah. Um, but certainly I would guess the tenor of your answer and my answer as well. And probably everyone's answer that answered like us back in December has changed into being a yes to now and no. Um, now, now you're wondering, is this even an NIT tournament team with, with what their record is right now? But 
what's the developmental plan if you were running the show here? Like, again, people can say lost season all you want, but at the end of the day, you're going to have some of these young guys coming back. You've got some guys with maybe some untapped potential. If you're running the show, what's the developmental plan the rest of the year? Yeah, it, it looks silly in hindsight now, right? I mean, obviously, tournament discussion is not even on the radar. Um, right. For for conversation's sake, I did I did check today. They have a four point eight percent chance to make the NCAA tournament, but they would need to you know win eight of these next ten or win the ACC. So you know, it's kind of a silly conversation at this point. But yeah, uh, if if I'm running the show, um, you know, you, you try to play the games in front of you, and it sounds cliche and it sounds like head coach speak, but you you play it one game at a time. You try to win each game. Um, and then you just take it a one game at a time and, and do what you need to do in those games to win as many games as you can to salvage whatever you can out of the season. But the tricky thing is now you have to keep in mind the following season. And although there are guys who look like they might be coming back next year, you do have to consider the fact that they could enter the transfer portal any of them. Um, so you do want to keep that in mind and and specifically with, with a guy like Benny is how can we get him involved in, in ways where he can feel a part of the team and a part of the development going forward. Um, kind of, kind of same way with, with Jesse, you know, maybe you can get, there's opportunities to get Jesse the ball a little bit more. That's a guy that you definitely want back on your roster next year. Um, you know, Frank Anselm as well. Frank played really great in that weight game. So it's kind of, you know, you're, it's, it's almost like a scale because sometimes you're, you're not playing the guys because you're trying to win games. But at the same time, you're probably losing a buddy in Jimmy Bayheim and a, and a Cole Swider. And so you kind of find that you need to find ways to, to get these other guys involved, to make them feel a part of the program and a part of the plan in the future. So you don't think Jimmy's going to win a, his waiver? Uh, it's well, it's, they're going to apply for it and mm-hmm. they'll see what the NCAA says. Who knows how long the NCAA could take on that. They might drag their feet, but it's, I, I it sounded like Jim Beheim kind of walked those comments back a little bit where they're going to apply for it, but he's not sure if he wants to do it yet from what I gather. Gotcha. Yeah. I think he just went out and said it, but it wasn't like he had a conversation with Jimmy and Jimmy right. told him that was his plan. Uh, but even Cole Swider, I think he was asked on the Q sports talk recently, would you come back? And he said, you know, all, all options are on the table. He didn't really answer straightforward one way or the other, but I think there's a lot of questions that are going to be looming once we get into the off season. And that's going to be the nature of every team across the country now at the transfer portal era. But specifically with Syracuse, it is an interesting spot where they are right now because Jim Beheim, you know, usually doesn't play more than seven, eight guys. And he usually is just trying to win games. He's never really been in this position where he has to adapt his coaching style maybe and say, all right, you know, I'm going to play Benny five or 10 more minutes just because I want to keep him happy. And there's more options to move elsewhere now with the transfer portal the way it is. And that's the fascinating conversation because it's tough to tell Jim Beheim, who has won, almost a thousand games and really more than that, just technically speaking, almost a thousand like to change your coaching style, but also it's such a different era that Benny is so important to next year's team. And something Tyler and I keep talking about is that's the priority. Now we need him on next year's roster to have any sort of like motivation for next year's team. Yeah, no question. You need a guy like that. And you know, we know Syracuse has some talent coming in on the wing, 
Chris Bunch specifically, but you you want to have a guy like Benny Williams because he's he's six nine, he's a big body, he's athletic, he has all the tools. It's just a matter of him getting the confidence and playing out there and, and going to do it. But you're absolutely right that the thing with the transfer portal is in this new era is you do have to adapt to it. You do have to placate players a little bit because they have so much power and they can go anywhere after a year like this. And that's a very difficult thing, not not for even Jim Beheim specifically, but just generally the, the older you are, the more set in you ways you become. <laughs> right. And when you've had success, it's very easy to point to the success and say, no, look at my way, look at what I've done. And it's a very difficult thing. Um, I think we'll wait to see it. I'll see it when I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. But you look at it, a situation like last year with a guy like Kadari Richmond, who was very, very talented. And I think we know that a team like this could use a Kadari Richmond based on what we've seen. Speaking of Jim Beheim, this has been the burning question with a number of people, not just from a local standpoint, but from the national standpoint, certainly as well as what's his future like? Should this be the time that he steps down all that? What's your stance? Is now the time for him to step down after this season? It's it's tough uh, when you look at the situation. Right. And, and Jim has all signs have pointed toward him coming back next year. And, and I don't think there's anybody at Syracuse that's going to tell him your time is up. I think Jim Beheim will, will tell everybody else when his time is. You up. would need an AD who's been there 20 plus years. Exactly. And I don't think anybody's pushing Jim Beheim out the door. But I think one one missing con the, the context that I think is missing over the last seven years or so is, and this isn't to absolve Jim Beheim, but when you look at the state of college basketball and the, the state of college athletics, you see where the good teams are now. They're, it's in the SEC, it's in the Big 12, it's in the Big 10. It, okay, why is that? You know, as you see the other the other football teams, they've, they've kind of strong-armed their basketball programs, and the ACC has kind of relied on tradition. It's, it's no coincidence that the ACC is down this year and it's also no coincidence that the former Big E schools have all struggled in the ACC. So I think when you look at kind of the overall, the big picture, right, I, I kind of lean toward it doesn't really matter as much who you have in the head coaching seat. I think you could have John Wooden in there. The program was going to take a dip based on all the things that had happened. Move to the new league, the focus on football, the sanctions, losing Mike Hopkins, so on and so forth. That's a lot for a program to take, and that's not to absolve Jim Bay. That's I, I think that the program should be a little bit better than what it's been, especially in the regular season. You know, Jim's going to point to NCAA tournament success. That's all that matters. I disagree on that. I think a lot of people would disagree on that. I think the regular season matters. I think attendance crowns, those things matter. Being ranked in the top 25, giving the fan base to be so, something excited about. I think all that stuff matters. And I think when you look at it, you can have both. You can have good regular seasons and good NCAA tournament runs. It's just so happened that Syracuse has been down. They've barely gotten in, and they've had the success in the NCAA tournament. That's great if you can get it, but you, you'd want both. And I think that's ideal, um, and I think the program has been in a dip. So that's not to absolve you know criticism of, or anything directed toward Jim Beheim. But I think when you look at the program and overall, irrespective of who was in the head coaching seat, I think the program was going to take a dip either way. Yeah, that's a fascinating point. That's something Tyler and I talk about a lot, how when we watch the SEC now, it's just better basketball, it's better yeah. athletes. When we played Auburn this year, it really stood out to me, and I think anyone watching that game could have noticed, and you were at the game, like 
they just have better dudes. And it was a talent disparity that a lot of the other ACC schools probably would have had. And it is odd to me that, I guess not that odd, but you're right. There's a lot of these former biggie schools that are struggling now. Like we could be Pitt. We, we could be Georgetown. It, it could get worse. Boston I guess college. The, yeah. BC has been, and they weren't very good even when they were in the big East, but still it's amazing to see, you know, I heard Doug Gottlieb say this recently on the field of 68. I think when he was talking about the Syracuse conversation, but he was sort of saying like 10 years ago, if you would have said this is the ACC and this is what they're doing right now, no one would have believed you. I mean, Louisville down, Pittsburgh down, even UNC is struggling. And it's actually sort of weirdly like Wake Forest is up and some of these programs that you wouldn't have guessed, Florida State has turned into a juggernaut, but I don't know. It does feel like the SEC and some of those other conferences have just leaned in more to the time period of transfer portal era, player first coaching, name image likeness, all that stuff. Yeah, they've had an advantage for sure. And I think when you look at the ACC, there's been a little bit of, you know, trying to play catch up with football and maybe a little bit over reliance on tradition with basketball, thinking that all our, we have to do with basketball is keep going and, and keep it the same. And there's been a lot of changes in college sports in that time. No doubt. So looking at kind of the next couple of years for Syracuse and like, this isn't a tournament team. Last year's team got in on the thread the year before that probably wasn't going to be a tournament team. How do you fix this? How do you turn it around? What, what is the quick <laughs> fix here? And maybe that's a it's the million dollar question that we're all searching for the answer for. But if you were if you were trying to fix this thing and, and let's assume that, OK, you're not going to change the head coach. What what would you be looking to do? It's it's very tough. There's no panacea. I don't I don't think there's any one quick thing. There's no silver bullet. You know, there's, there's a lot of things working against Syracuse right now. I, I think one of the things in, in this you know, what, what do you do? You're, you're Jim Beheim. You're 77 years old. There's nothing you can do to control it, but you're going to be negatively recruited just based on your age. Um, just based on, you know, having two sons on the team, people are going to negatively recruit in that regard. Recent transfer history. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's a difficult thing um, with that. And I know there are a lot of people who want to see a new face and get some new energy in the program with that there's no guarantee that the next person you hire is going to make the program any better. And it's, it's harder to know that based on Jim Beheim's tenure and what kind of program is Syracuse without him. I, I don't think we know that we've, we've never seen a program move on from a head coach with, with this long of a tenure. You know? oh, you're going to, you're going to get one of the old guys coming after you now. One of the guys <laughs> who were there for the Roy Danforth days, they're going to be coming after you now. <laughs> they're, they're listening. Um, so it's a difficult thing. I think this year is obviously a bad year. And and like you said, there, there's no tournament and there's, you can point to the recruits coming in next year, but you don't, you don't win with freshmen in the ACC. They're, they're going to have to maybe get a guy out of the transfer portal or two. Uh, but, I, but I think, you know, when you look at, you know, kind of what Duke has done and, and Syracuse is not Duke, but, you know, kind of getting a succession plan in place, I think we know what Syracuse is going to do. Like they're, they're going to stay in family. They're going to stay in house. I know that doesn't excite a lot of people. Um, and I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think when you have a succession plan laid out, it can kind of provide a roadmap for the future. 
And at least when you look at Duke, and again, Syracuse is not Duke, but when you look at Duke, the players know who they're playing for. It takes the uncertainty out of the equation. Um, and, I, and I think that could benefit Syracuse a bit. And I know, how do you decide it's going to be awkward for Red? It's going to be awkward for Jerry. Maybe one of those guys leaves, but you're going to have to make that decision at some point anyway. Um, so I think if you could at least provide a little bit of clarity going forward, that that could help the situation. Uh, but it, there's no guarantee, and it's it's a tough time for for the program of of Syracuse, especially when you consider, you know, where they've been, and, and like I said, with all the the former Big East schools that have joined the league, it's it's been a struggle for a reason for all of them. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years now. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Very easy to use interface. I go to it very frequently as my used Jeep continues to get more beaten up over time here. I need to get some brake parts, tail lamps, stuff like that. Rock Auto is my number one spot for that. They even have motor oil or even new carpet as well. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. So they know that we sent you again. Put Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. When do you think Jim Beheim will leave? I, I know that's also an impossible question, but it's something that we've talked a little bit about, like outside of the podcast. This year, there's been times where I felt, man, maybe this is his last year based on press conferences and things he said. And then there's been other times where even last week on his coach's show, he's talking so much about next year and so matter of factly, like there's going to be two or three starters and it's like he's got the plan down and even bringing up Jimmy, it makes you think, all right, well, he clearly has no intentions of going anywhere. If Jimmy's coming back, he's going to be the coach. But do you think we're getting closer to maybe a, a point where Jim Beheim is going to leave soon? Because I don't know, like if you would have told me he was going to coach five more years after the Sweet 16 run, I would have bought that. And maybe I'm starting to scale that back a little bit. Like if we were to set a total at what, two and a half? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> two and a half years. Over under, I think I would lean toward the under. Um, it's we're we're getting down to it here, and and, and Tim, like you said, you know, one he, he's not going to come out and say this is my last year. He, he's not going to be that type of guy, even if he knew that. And I don't think he does know that. Even if he did know that, he wouldn't come out and say it. Um, but by all accounts, he's pointed toward media day and more recently that he'll be back next year. Now. I think it's possible he can get to the end of the year and say, you know what? We had a tough year. Both of my sons aren't going to be on the team. If that is the case, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to just hang it up and we'll get the next guy in there. I think there's a possibility of that, but I do think it's more likely that Jim Beheim says, I can't go out on that note. I got right. a lot of pride. Yeah. 
I need to come back and go out on a positive note. So that's that's why I lean toward him being back next year. But Tim, you're right. There there have been a couple of times this year. Um, I think down to the Atlantis, you know, during down to the Atlantis tournament, he kind of came out and it was just very casual. Um, and I think he was very, um, yeah, like you said, just kind of like matter of fact, but he, he came out on the court and he was just very casual. And I started to wonder like, hmm, maybe this is the last year, like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this is. And then there have been other times, like you said, where he, he comes out definitively and, and talking with the media and says that he'll be back next year. So, um, I'm not. I'm not quite sure, but I. But I would probably take the under of of 2.5. And I think part of the reason he doesn't want to come out and have the farewell tour and, and do all that is one, he's not a spotlight guy. But two, I think he wants to give it to Jerry or Autry. And I think if you do that and you say you're going to retire, you you give the power to to Wild Hack and maybe um, he's thinking about getting somebody else in there. So I I think it's it might be an impromptu thing in the summer where okay, hey, I'm out, and hey, we're going to give it to Jerry or, or we're going to give it to Autry. I, I think that might be part of the thinking as well. Do you have a horse in the race there? Who would you pick? And I'll even let you lump in a name like Hopkins if you wanted to throw his name into the equation it's, as well. It's going to be one of those three guys, and, and you know, no disrespect to, to Griff, but I think, you know, if there were ever a, a more likely time of Mike Hopkins coming back then this year, I don't know when it would be just given how things have gone at Washington. So if the end is in fact, after this season, I think, you know, some people say that ship has sailed, but we'll see. Um, But if you're going to go with one of the two guys on staff, I mean, I I think you would have to go with Autry just because he's had the most experience. Um, He has experience coaching at Virginia tech. He's been around the longest, Um, but, but certainly you could understand Jerry as well. He's, he's been on staff for a while. Um, and, you know, you take into account that some people might think it's a little silly to take into account the, the playing careers, but he's very beloved by the Syracuse fan base. And that wouldn't be a tough sell to the, to the Syracuse fan base. Yeah, there are times where I feel like people are just assuming it's going to be GMAC when Red probably from a credential stand, like Red almost yep. feels a little bit more likely to me than GMAC. And that's nothing against GMAC. I think if they went the GMAC route, that would be more liked maybe. And that's still a decent mm-hmm. shot. But if they went the hop route, that would be interesting now because I think everyone loves Mike Hopkins, but also how good does it look and how motivating is it to the fan base to bring in Mike Hopkins after he gets fired from a job that's considered a lower tier than Syracuse, you know? I, I get where you're coming from on that and, and on its face. Yes. Right. It's like, he couldn't have success at Washington. Like, why would we want him here? I, I kind of take the other side of the coin and say he got some yeah. very valuable head coaching experience. He knows yeah. what it's like to run his own Division One program, and now you can take that and bring that back to Syracuse with you. That's how I would look at it, but I know that's probably not consensus or popular opinion. Um, but it's it's very different when you're the man in the seat. When you're the guy in charge, it's very different. And I think we do know the one thing about Hop is that he's a great recruiter. And, you know, maybe he's not as good of an in-game coach as Jim Beheim, but he, he could get some talent in the door, right? especially when you combine, you know, kind of a fallen brand in Syracuse, but it's a bigger brand than Washington. Uh, I think he'd be able to recruit there. And he, he has those inroads. He has those relationships. So right. he'd be able to recruit to Syracuse. Especially in the Northeast. And another thing that I think about too is, like we talk about, okay, what, what's it going to be like the awkwardness 
if GMAC gets the job, how's Red going to feel and vice versa? If Hop gets the job, I'd imagine you retain one of those, at least one of the assistants, right? Just because I, I, that was always the plan in place from the start. You you would think, um, you know, and then it becomes obvious that the next guy would be, if, if Hop isn't the guy, then maybe he would be the next guy in line. Um, so I think there'd be some of that thinking. But yeah, you, you would think like, however it goes, one of those guys is going to get a job, a head coaching job somewhere else. Maybe it's not, you know, a power five job, but a, but a mid-major job that has a, a chance to succeed. One of those guys would, would take a job somewhere else. But if, if it were Hop that would come back, I think there would be at least one that would stay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all interesting. I could talk about this for hours on hours <laughs> because it feels like that first year is also going to be so much fun to watch whenever that next head coach is. Like even the first couple games are just going to be so highly criticized after we've had the same coach. And guess for... what? It could be the biggest train wreck of them all uh, <laughs> yeah. in terms of seasons. No, I, I think there's a strong possibility that we look back five, four years after Jim Beheim leaves and we say, man, we, we kind of had it pretty good when Jim Beheim was here. Why were we yelling at him to get out the door? And I say that as someone that if I had to pick right now, if I was John Wildhack, I think I would move on from Jim Beheim. But it's tough because I don't even know if it gets better with one of those three guys. It's still just, you know, you shrug and, and you hope that Red and GMAC will be ready because I think those are the two most likely ones. But they don't have any head coaching experience. And look at what is happening with Hubert Davis and UNC. Like, it's just one year, but it's a scary thought to give the reins to someone that doesn't have any quote unquote head coaching experience, too. Yeah, it's it's a different beast when you're the head coach. It's it's totally different. Um, but like you said, there's there's no guarantee that it gets any better. And there is the very real possibility that, you know, I, I think Syracuse is always going to be a program that's going to kind of have a baseline support to where it's not going to fall off. You know, to, to you're not going to have multiple years of losing seasons, right? Like I think there's some level of support where it's going to be better than that. But there's no guarantee that it gets better. There's no guarantee that you're making the tournament every year. Um, and that's just the nature of the business of moving on from a, a hall of fame coach from a program where you hadn't had prior success before that. All right. Let, let's look a little bit towards next year. I do want to talk some recruiting with you because there's these um, stuff coming up about uh, Judah Mintz. He's going to be making a visit to Syracuse very shortly. Um, well, it's a big class right now, five members. And with varying level of rankings as well. What's your overall impressions of the class of 2022? Yeah, you guys probably know more than I do on this. I don't follow recruiting as much as I used to, but I think it's interesting they're looking at uh, the Mince Kid just because they're already, you know, programmed to have four guards in next year. So I don't know if they think somebody is not coming in, uh, but it's interesting that they would they would look at a kid like that. Um, my overall impressions of the class though, are probably on par with what everybody else thinks in that it's, it's good, but not great talent. Uh, I don't know that there's a guy that's going to come in and, and take over if there is, uh, it's probably a Chris bunch who has an outside shot and is an athletic forward. Who's kind of a prototypical Syracuse forward. I think you get a little bit more athletic along the back line, uh, with him in, um, and Malik Brown. I think Malik Brown is maybe a little bit more college-ready body-wise um, and could be ready for the physicality of the ACC. So he's a guy I've got 
kind of got my eye on. Uh, but then with the backcourt too, um, it will, first Peter Carey, I think is going to be more of a project, right? I don't think he's going to come in and play next year, especially if you got Jesse Edwards. Don't tell Beheim that. All five <laughs> freshmen are going to play. <laughs> that that might have been a stretch. He might have meant four, or maybe he was thinking about getting this guard in already. Maybe he knows. Maybe he knows something. <laughs> no. I think we all know that, that Peter Carey is more of a project. Uh, I don't think anyone's fooled on that. But uh, I would say the guards that come in next year are intriguing especially if you bring back, you know, Joe Girard, who, who should be back and, uh, and Samir Torrance as well. One of those guys is kind of going to be the odd man out and quite Copeland and, and Justin Taylor by, by all accounts, Justin Taylor seems like a guy that can come in and, and play right away. So it'll be interesting to see how the guards shake out, but nonetheless, a, a good problem to have a deep class and is probably as good and as deep of a class as they've had since 2016 with Malachi Richardson, Tyler Rodden, and uh, Frank Howard and, and that class. So um, as, as good and deep of a class as they've had in some time. Do you think, let's just, I mean, it's tough to say, but let's say everyone comes back that we're expecting to come back. So Jesse, Simeer, Frank, even Joe Girard, Benny Williams. Then you had the five freshmen. Is that an NCAA tournament team to you? Or do you need to add a body in the transfer portal to get there? It's, it's a fringe team, and I think you probably do need to add a proven score to come in and lighten the load off some of those guys. I think at that point, you're really relying on you know your freshmen to come in and score. You're really relying on a Chris Bunch um, and even to some degree a, a Benny Williams to score the ball. You know We know Joe could score it a little bit. Um, Justin Taylor, by all accounts, sounds like he's a really good shooter, um, can knock down some shots, but is he going to be as good as Buddy Beheim in year one? Probably not. Right. Like that's that's a big ask. So I think with that, you'd really ideally like to get a proven score to come in, maybe a mid-major kid who put up put up numbers throughout the year um, and have a chance to be in that. That's kind of scorer's role. But I think if if those guys come back and especially with Jesse Edwards, I think he's a big key. Um, You you feel good about what you have coming back, Um, you know, maybe not a top six uh, tournament seed type of team, but definitely a fringe tournament team. You'd, you'd have more talent, you'd have more depth. Um, and I think you'd feel okay about that if you made an, an addition in the transfer portal as well. Real quickly. Um, and then we'll get on out of here, but Jesse Edwards. All right. One of the big names coming back next year. What's next for him. What would you like to see as the next sort of step in his development? Tim and I kind of teetered with the idea of, oh, maybe he can step back and take an 18-footer. We saw him attempt one the other day, but what is next for him? Is, is it just being more physical? Like, what, what do you want to see? Something out of him that maybe we won't see the rest of this year, but an added element to his game for next season. So, something he can't control as much, and that's getting the ball in the post more, getting more post touches. <laughs> uh, for, for his development, though, I mean, uh, one, you know, the foul trouble that's that's chief you know number one thing is stay in the game and learn how to play uh without fouling i think he's gotten a little better at that he still follows a little bit sometimes but he's he's certainly better than he was a month ago when he was following out of every game um but i think yeah it's the physicality it's continue to add weight um continue to be physical down there there are times when he might get pushed around against a, a hugely of pit of that caliber player um so it's just continue to get better keep playing um adding more weight to the frame and then just keep doing what you're doing too i mean i think he's been really good down low and um it seems like at times that joe gerard's the only guy that has chemistry with him because joe does feed him a lot uh, but I think, you know, for him, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep fighting down the glass. Um, he's playing good defense. He's getting out to that corner shooter now with much more 
consistency, uh, blocking shots from the, the free throw line from the corner. So um, for him, to, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, keep playing, and and uh, you know, uh, get getting a little bit stronger. I think is the big thing for him. All right, James. Well, always fun having you on. Always a blast. Read his work over at Noon's Magician. Follow him at James Zuba on Twitter. And we thank you for hopping on with us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Glad we're still friends. We're still friends. You could fire out about any tweet that you want that doesn't mention my mom and we'll still be friends. (laughs) We'll tell your mom to stop (laughs) tweeting at us too. all that angry stuff. I'll I'll let her know. I'll I'll let her know she's doing the most right now. That's not (laughs) that's not P as the kids say. Awesome. Well, we will be back on the podcast tomorrow, getting you guys ready for NC State. Going to talk some recruiting as well and get you up to speed on mints and the chances that Syracuse lands him. So that's all ahead on the podcast tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll talk to you guys then.